0: This is iFanboy Media Splode, episode nineteen, the mini saints of Newark, and Ted Lasso, season two. Welcome to iFanboy media Splode episode 19. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Josh Flanagan. Hello there. And Ron Richards. Hey, friends. How are you? We're the original hosts of iFanboy, and we're here to talk about all things non-comics media on our monthly Media Splode show, unlocked by the patrons at patreon.com slash iFanboy. They're the ones who bring you all kinds of great content. They bring it to you, because everyone can enjoy it. And this w- was one we always liked doing, talking about things not related to comics that we've been enjoying in the month since we last spoke, And we have a lot to do. Pack show. And pack's rundown. So we're going to start with our normal segment, what we've been enjoying, but we're going to be quick about it. I got the bell here, just in case. I love it. Oh, it's been so long
1: since I've been involved with the bell. Please use it. So (laughs) You you long-time iFanboy listeners, you know. If you know, you know.
0: I will start off talking about a show that I saw a trailer for during another show I watch. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And but am I going to watch it? And, and I decided just to record the first episode and see what I thought. And I enjoyed it. And now I'm about three quarters of the way through the first season. It's called American Rust. It's on Stars. Oh, is that the one with Jeff Daniels? So the stars Jeff Daniels and more uh, Tierney. I was curious about that. I describe it as Mail Mare. Mail Mare <laughs> means it's a show that takes place in a small Western Pennsylvania town beaten down by industrialization. There's a drug problem. Wow, the ex- even the same area. It's crazy. It's the same area. There's not the same fidelity of accents in this does, one.
2: Oh, I was, I was like, does Jeff Daniels do the accent?
0: <laughs> no, Jeff Daniels does Jeff Daniels, which is basically why I watched it in the first place. It's obviously not as good as Mare Town*, but I really have been enjoying it. It's more of a straightforward cop show, although there is a lot of plot lines. There's a whole subplot about unionization. There's a subplot about drugs in in the area. I'm sure all of it's going to be related. There's a subplot about uh, a romance between two characters who shouldn't be having a romance. So there's all kinds of things going on, but mostly it's about this murder that takes place in the first episode. The real big difference here between this and Mira, uh, beyond many other differences, is that the sheriff, because it's such a small town, is much more intimately involved in the murder and perhaps caught up in it. i do not want to spoil too much about it, but if you, you know joy bleak small town murder cop shows american rust is for you you know it's i feel like we're gonna get a lot of these now you know we're a decade into the opioid crisis people have processed it now we're starting to get shows that are dealing with it sometimes literally like dope sick that's coming out soon
2: i feel like we're more than that i mean like if you like the first season of justified the whole thing like there was a lot of that That that's like 15 years ago
0: yeah, I think we're so. talking specifically about like the opioids, which you as know, a topic, right? Yeah. justified as more like heroin, and uh, which is where no, it started too. But like, like this is this is more like people them. crushing up pills from the pharmacy and.
1: Oh, I, um, I know we need to keep this short. But are you going to watch Dope Sick? I asked you in Slack, but you didn't respond. Um, I'm not sure. I love Keaton.
2: It's Keaton. I wasn't gonna, and then I saw the trail. Like I, I, I wasn't not gonna, but I wasn't like. I'll get to, get to this as soon as possible. Right. But then I saw the trailer and I saw like the rest of the cast. It's None a great of whom cast. I remember. Stolbers. None of whom I remember right now. Yeah. But, it, but I was like, wow. And Lindsay's like, we got to watch that. All right. So I'll check people. it out.
0: I saw him on Colbert. He said, it's, it is kind of depressing.
1: No. Oh, so, well, that's okay. not great. I don't see how it couldn't be. Just now, when you said plot lines, yeah. uh, do either of you know what popped in my head? No, plot lines. Yes. Ask ninja. Thank you. Okay. Carry on. Oh. Just
0: my last point of this, Josh, will be there's, there's a lot of actors, solid. From our, the shows we like to watch, like Bill Camp from The the nice. Night Of is in it. And... You don't
2: have to tell me who Bill Camp is. No, so
0: I'm just for the people. Jim Truefrost from The Wire has a small role in it. Mr. Presbo. There's a lot of those kind of actors. Like, oh, that guy. Dallas Roberts. Mm-hmm. It's a good cast. It's interesting. There's this b- bizarre side plot about one of the characters running away from home and becoming a modern-day hobo. I literally just watched the most recent episode right before the show. When does the bell ring?
2: Is it like a 10-minute thing? Yeah, I was like, I like how he's not monitoring
1: his own bell. Like, that's great, yeah. It's just the power of the bell, really. power goes ahead. Rob, what have you been doing?
2: All right, well, real quickly,
1: it will be no surprise, but the... uh, Thank you. Oh, all right. Oh, well, Josh, you're up. (laughs) ESPN 30 for 30. Uh, Once upon a time in Queens, the uh, four-part documentary about the 1986 Mets. Tune in for the brashness and wildness of the 1986 Mets. Stay to watch Keith Hernandez playing with his cat.
0: I've watched two of the four, and uh, oh, I didn't even know it was a thing. I'm on it. Yeah. Oh, Josh, you need to watch. it. I mean, like
1: Ron and I lived through it. I, you know, I, yep, I, sure. I was, it was Connor, nine, they showed ga- they showed games I was at. Yeah, I mean, we run a live through it, and I've read the book, The Bad Guys Won. I was watching with my wife, and they showed the 4th of July fireworks, and I, I'm like, I was there, I was there, I was sitting right there.
0: But nothing really prepares you to really have it laid out, and then, yep. you know, they interview basically everyone who's still around, and
1: they just don't give a fuck. Nope. Lenny Dykstra does not care what you think about Lenny Dykstra. Well, it's awesome. Yeah, and that's the other thing too is that I love, love, love that team. I idolized, I mean, truly my first, like I was nine when it happened. It was my first kind of like idolization of like putting on a pedestal. There's so I can watch someone doing a feat and like look up to them. And I looked up to Gary Carter. I looked up to Keith Hernandez. I love Mookie Wilson. Dykstra was great. Like up and down, I could, I could give you the entire lineup and tell you something about every player on that team. And seeing everybody now is both also interesting and sad because oh, yeah. like- like, you know, like, it was great to see Sid Fernandez, and he looked great. He was one of my favorite pitchers. He, I, I got a, I got a baseball card signed from him at the TikTok Drugs in East Northport once. But Lenny Dykstra is just, it's a degenerate, and it's just sad. It's like, I know people are, like, we're cracking up and think it's so funny, but it's like, dude can't even string a sentence together. Like, it's really, like, shows you what drugs and alcohol and crime and all this stuff can do. But... Either way, it was interesting because you know having lived through it and read so much of it, it was great to see a lot of the stories that I knew and have heard, but also to find out stuff I didn't know, which I thought was really interesting, and get to relive uh, one of the most amazing double plays ever in the game against the Cincinnati Reds in July that caused my wife to pause the show to say, what, what just happened there? Play
2: that again! Yeah. Which
1: is like a dream. So, home run. Good job, yeah. ESPN. <laughs> it's fun. Yep.
2: I was gonna talk about wu Tang and American Saga season 2 but I think I'm going to wait till it's over. Mm-hmm. And just say I took a flyer on an audiobook and I started listening to Dennis Lehane's The Given Day based on a very short synopsis that I thought, "Oh, that sounds pretty good." And it's this like incredibly wide-ranging book and I've known about Dennis Lehane forever. I've never read a Dennis Lehane. Oh, Lane you never
0: learned, uh, interesting
2: no, but like i've I'm aware of, I know what he does. I know the movie's based on his stuff, and I know he's a staff writer on the wire, and I know yeah. like which of the ones that he like it's one of those things where i I know I'd like it, but I've never actually done oh, it yeah
0: boston based hard boiled crime stuff
2: It takes place in nineteen nineteen and it's just this convergence of all of these things the Spanish flu. Babe Ruth going from Boston to New York, Tulsa riots are involved with it, the police strikes, unionization, the anarchist and communist scare, the anti-Italian stuff that went along with that, the anti-Irish, it's this incredibly wide-ranging, massive amount of stuff, and with that kind of dialogue that he's known for, you know, which I've now been like, oh yeah, I totally see why. There were all of these bits where I thought, this is just... But I immediately sent it to Connor. I didn't even finish the book. I was like, I, I, you haven't read this right here. Yeah, you, you he were talking about it, and suddenly
0: it appeared at my door, and I was like, oh, okay.
2: <laughs> that Well, it, that's a thing that has to... It, I was just like, I don't I don't care when you get to it. I started reading the second one after that, because it's a trilogy of people who... It doesn't go one right after another. It changes characters. He's a really interesting but,
0: writer. I, I like his yeah. books a lot. I've only read maybe three or four, or three, maybe.
2: What have you read? I read Mystic River. I love that movie. Like, I've watched it many times. His
0: first one... 'Cause The name escapes me. It's really gritty. It's got the characters mm-hmm. from Ben Affleck's first movie with, with Casey
2: Affleck. What was the name, the name of that one? Oh, the... the, the Mallrats? Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, technically. <laughs> Ethan Suffley and... <laughs> uh, I, I know what you mean. I can't think of it right off the top of my head. So what's really interesting is that I started reading the second book... Live by Night, which Ben Affleck made a movie. Oh, that was a bad movie. I think I watched that movie. That was bad movie. Which apparently yeah. is terrible. And I was reading about it and I was like, well, wait, who did Ben Affleck play? Because the protagonist in this gone is Baby, Gone Baby Gone. Gone Baby Gone. Oh, that's it, yeah. Okay. Michelle Monaghan.
0: I read Gone Baby Gone, Mr. River, and his first one, which I named in case we continue.
2: Protagonist is 20 years old. And I was like, well, who, who does Ben Affleck play? It's Gone be the Baby Gone ball. is different than no, Gone Girl, right? Let me finish the sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Those are two different movies, right? Two okay. oh, different books, yes. Movies, okay. different and he played the 20 year old instead of like the old person. I was like, oh, there's your mistake right there.
0: Well, it's, it's a bad movie for many reasons. Yeah, no, yeah. I can't.
2: you know what's funny is that I, can't. anyway, so far I'm like halfway <laughs> through. It's not nearly as good as the one before it because it's much more straightforward. But yeah. uh, boy, the, the given day just blew me away and I couldn't get enough of it. it. It's It was for an audiobook, it was super long. As a prose book, I think it's, you know, a thousand pages or so. It's, it's a it's, big book.
0: It's thick. I don't know if it's a thousand pages, but it's, it's
1: thick. Can I ask a question? No. Yeah. Connor, is the bell working?
0: <laughs> yeah, I just checked it. <laughs> I riveted him. You did.
1: <laughs> okay, so that's what
0: we've been enjoying. Normally, we spend more time on that, but we have a lot of things to dig into. We're very excited to talk. The first thing we're going to talk about is the Many Saints of Newark, or the Multisantis of Newark.
2: My wife told me about that the next day. She's like, oh, and I go, what? Uh. Oh, that does make sense. <laughs> so uh, this,
0: was, this is the prequel film set in Sopranos world that was originally going to be released to theaters at Warner Brothers. It did go to some theaters but it's also on HBO Max. That's where I watched it. We should start by saying we're all Sopranos fans. We've all watched it. I've only watched it once all the way through and Josh has really? watched it
1: multiple times.
2: Many times. Uh,
1: Ron? Once all the way through but like have watched a lot every now you know like when it was on like that sort of thing but never sat down and rewatched it type thing.
0: So David oh Chase you know ended the show however, however many years ago it was? Uh, uh, I'm, six. I'm more. 10? More than 10? Oh, it's like 14, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it was 06, 07. Yeah. yeah, it was 07, yeah. People have been dogging him for years, talk about the ending, explain the ending. Is there going to be more Sopranos? One of my favorite endings of TV of all
2: time. He should never explain the ending. Never he did. He ended up no one. explaining it. I know, but it shouldn't have happened.
0: And then he announced, hey, I'm doing a movie, and it's, it's going to be a Sopranos prequel. And what was your guys' initial reaction when you said that?
2: oh Don't do that.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. But... You know so that was my that's my instinct on anything you cannot go back to the well. I was I've been having conversations about this recently like when have they gone back to the well and have it been okay? Like Well so so what I what 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 echoed with me as I watched it was a couple of weeks ago
1: Josh you said we were talking and you said I just need this to be good.
2: <laughs> I need it I need it. <laughs> I really want... So that's the point, though. I was like, no, no, no. And I saw the trailer, and I was like, I really want that to be good. Yeah. So I let myself get excited about it, right. well, the thing which, is, the which thing Star is, Wars taught me not to do.
0: The pedigree is pretty good. David Chase co-wrote it with Lawrence Connor. It was directed by Alan Taylor. Chase was supposed to originally direct it, but he had a family crisis. Alan Taylor directed a lot of the big Sopranos episodes. He directed a lot of the big Game of Thrones episodes. He directed Thor, Dar- The Dark World, which almost made him quit directing. And it was starring, you know... Alessandra Nivola and John Bernthal, and Corey Stoll, and Leslie Odom Jr., Ray Liotta, Vera Farmiga.
1: It's got, it's got a cast. It's definitely got it's a cast. It's got a really, mind. really good cast. i got to
2: say, I saw Corey, is it Corey Stoll? That's his yeah. Last yeah. name? Yeah, yeah. Like, he gets, I don't know if it's typecast, but he's like, you know, the scummy jerk guy. And I was like, oh, don't put him in this. And I don't mean to get ahead of everything, You're, but I was like, nope, I was completely wrong about. Well, that. no,
1: here, here's the thing, and you are getting ahead, but but I, I had the same thought: is that at first I was like, oh, Corey Stahl's playing Junior, and then there was, and, and when I first saw him, I was like, I kind of groaned. Then there was another point where I was like, holy shit, he's amazing. Yep. And
2: then, no actor. But, <laughs> but then so I was like, nope, that's him. But I can't.
1: but then the moment he said the your sisters see the second time, mm. I was out. I was like, oh, screw that. And if you ask me, that's the example of my problem with the entire film.
0: You are one step ahead. So, the movie takes place in the 1950s, 1960s. 70s. Oh, yeah, it goes to the early 70s. It's 60s, 70s. 70s. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, no 50s. It was after Crazy Joe in Appalachia. The dates don't match
0: up with the TV show dates, yeah. that's a whole other problem. Oh. Tony's a young kid in the beginning. By the end of it, he's a teenager. This is the story of a lot of the characters from the show when they were younger, plus a lot of their parents or uncles or people that we only heard about or saw fleetingly or were played by much older people in the show. So it's sort of uh, a very turbulent time for the, uh, the mob in Newark at the time of the movie. What did you guys think?
1: All right. I have three distinct thoughts, Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. One is, we've talked about it on the show a lot, and I'm just going to say it, and then we're going to move on because I'm sure we'll talk more about it, but fan service. That's one thing that held this back a lot. Prequelitis. The second one is that I thought that the, what's his, the, the lead's name? Alessandro Niv... Uh, Alessandro Navola. Alessandro Nivola was delightful and fantastic, and I thought he was the shining star of the entire thing, and the entire film... There was a story there that suffered from the format, and if you stretch this out into a series, I think they tried to they they were TV people trying to make a movie, and stuff moved too fast. Final thought is the juxtaposition of the race riots of 1968 and, and the relationship between uh, uh, what's his name, Dicky Dicky Maltisanti and his and his African American friend was a compelling and interesting story that could have been told without being a Soprano story. Yes. Those are my three thoughts. Josh, overall thoughts? And so generally I give it a thumbs down.
2: So I finished it and I found it equally enjoyable in parts because there was a guessing game. of yep. you know, And I know the Sopranos very well. You know, I'm, I'm extremely familiar with the show. And, you know, you do the thing, well, wait, who's that supposed to be? Yep. Which is kind of fun. But at the same time, I was like, I hate that I'm doing this right. because this is not the same thing as experiencing a story. It's a different thing. And so I'm not sure. I don't think it succeeded because I'm not sure what it was trying to do. But I, I can't tell you I didn't enjoy either it or at least, you know, significant parts of it. I did enjoy like like, well, how are you going to do this? How is this? Specifically, the kinds of things where I was trying to see how they had somebody reinterpret that character or giving character at an earlier age. So we were talking about Junior, and I was like, "Oh, he was always crabby," and I took yeah. it that the way it was supposed to, like, "Oh, he's like a nerd; he can't, he doesn't fit in." He's Fredo, yeah, and right, and that's why later he's he's the way he is, and I I liked that. And the twist with him was powerful. It was, and and it was unexpected. Right. So I can give it that. The the thing where Tony did a thing that he did when he was older, where. It would come for him to – somebody would blame him for something, and he would immediately shift the blame to something else, how it wasn't his fault. And I was like, oh, that's what the adult one did to justify everything that he was doing. Some of the psychological stuff that I think that David Chase had put in the show later to have it sort of show up in a fairly elegant way with some of the characters. And this isn't having to do with the story because I think that's where you have a problem with the movie. I'm not sure what the story was. Other than a format for these other things to yeah, happen, yeah, But
1: yeah. well, they tried. They tried to cram in multiple stories into well, that hold format. On. Let me let me yeah. let me let me yeah. give my overview. So I, I watched it on a Sunday
0: morning. Well, you know, while I had a couple hours to myself, and I, you know, as a thing to do on a Sunday morning by myself, like I had a fine time watching it. But it's not a good movie. No, I had almost the same reaction I had to the Deadwood movie, which I did enjoy. Is that. It felt like the outline of a season or two of a TV show. And they just showed me all the highlights. This is like a treatment in movie form. Mm -hmm. Here's all the things that are going to happen in this season. And in that sense, it felt too overstuffed. Like Ron said, there were too many plot lines between the mob stuff and the race riots and the gender issues that were going on. There was a lot of things happening that never got explored because they were too busy getting to the next thing and the next thing.
2: And what's interesting is that in the show... He did that too, and it was actually, he left a lot of stuff dangling, but at least he got to spend a little more time with it, and you had an idea of it, and this... Had 90
1: minutes for all of this stuff. The saving grace for me about The Sopranos was The Sopranos was a, a great telling of a type of people, mob people, in New Jersey, in present day, and... The, the biggest complaint people have about the finale, about the woods, about about everything, is that you don't know what happened. And what I always said about the Sopranos fifteen years ago was, yeah, that's like life. Somebody, yeah, so, David so, Somebody it. pisses you off, and you don't know you don't know why that happened, and and you'd never find out, and, and, and that kind of thing. And I love that the Sopranos kind of embrace that, whereas here. It didn't work because it gave you enough of a. It, it, to Josh, to your point, it didn't spend enough time with the stuff, and it prequelitis. It, it, prequelitis, exactly. And part of the problem was is that you know, like they established that Dicky Multisante and and the and Leslie Odom Odom Jr. were friends and then they're not like I, like it was such a very quickly. very quickly and and impacted the story in such a way that i didn't feel it that i didn't i didn't carry with it cuz it was it was an overview right? Right, it wasn't yeah. really a story I, I think it tried to to your point it tried to cram too much story in but i also think that if they weren't too worried about Oh, there's Paulie doing his nails. And there's, yeah. you know, like, they, like, like, like a sign for me of something when you're trying to prequelitis or, you know, get, do the nod wink, honestly, it's Kevin Smithisms, right? Is when like they were, when Tony was trying to get beer, was trying to get Dickie to buy him beer and was at the phone. And he's yeah. there with a friend of his and a girl. And he, and he, he said Carmella in a way that was unnatural. He's like, oh, they want us to know that that's Carmella. Like, and that's the stuff that pisses me off. Like, that's like the... Did he call it know.
0: Carm there?
1: No, he called it Carmella for the first time. And it was like, it was way... Because I noticed it. I was like, you shouldn't notice it.
0: It wasn't a friend, the restaurant guy.
1: Yeah, Artie Bucco. Yeah. We hear about that because he's talking about the restaurant. Like, it's like... It's like, like I, this is what I hate. I hate, the, I hate the, the prequel tourism of, here's everybody you love, but younger and different. And like, oh,
2: it's so annoying. Well, the, earlier there Doesn't was, help the story. was with somebody, and I was like, "Is that Tony Blundetto, or is that Artie, or yeah. is that there's Johnny? No, uh... Wait, who, so who is the boss? Jackie, Jackie, Jackie Caprile. Cap- uh, Caprile. Cap- yeah. So who was he in this?
0: Yeah, he was in the Mister Softee truck. Oh, okay. It was Jackie and Tony, and uh, I just
2: I thought, like, at a certain point, I was like, if you're gonna do this, like, connected, show things that you talked about in the show. There was one thing when Johnny Boy shoots Livia in the head. Yeah. And through the hair. Yeah. I think I mean, that was in the show.
0: It was in the show, yeah.
2: She was amazing, by the oh, way. Oh, I hated her. But I, hate, I hated the mother. No, right, yeah. no she's one of yeah. the – she is the most disturbing and evil character yeah. you know, of all time. Yeah. Like, when you watch her, it is so uncomfortable. Yeah. I do want to say – I
1: hated the prosthetic.
2: Ugh. Ray Liotta shows up, and I thought, you need to settle down, yes. Ray Liotta. I don't <laughs> think you should even be here. I thought that However, it was great. Oh, man. However, the swerve yeah. when he shows up again because yep. I went he's better he was in prison. How's he dead? That secondary role was amazing. Yeah. Really, it blew me away. Like, we, blew really really had the pa-
1: we had to pause the movie when, it, when he first came out, and then a couple of minutes later, we're like, "Holy shit!" Like, like him as the incarcerated brother w- oh was was amazing. Was great. Yeah, really oh he, man, he played
0: it low key. Yeah. You see, he was holding yeah. a Joe Pesci record.
1: No, no. One of the
0: records with the Joe Pesci one. I do want to get to the last that. point I had, which was brought up by our friend of the show, uh, Henry, or also... Henry? Enthusiast of The Sopranos. kid it Henry. It's two movies. It's yeah. Dickie Moltisanti's story, and it's Tony's story, and they're two different films, two different stories, and we're never quite sure which one was supposed to be
1: the main story. And I also not think there was enough meat to Tony's story at all. Like right, uh, That's the like, thing. Like We never got enough time with either
0: one. It was like, we're following Dickie for so long, and I forgot Tony was sort of even a character. And
1: then it switches gears and then you're like, wait, what happened? I was talking to a co-worker today and I said the biggest transgression against this film is that it's been marketed so heavily to be like, see Tony before he becomes Tony when the movie's not about him at all. It mm-hmm. is a plot line. It is a piece of it. But it, it, it's not connected enough. To exactly. It. Well,
0: the, the second half does change to become Tony's story. That's why it's so weird because yeah. it was Dickie's. Then Dickie disappears for like 25 minutes. And, and, and it's like, wait.
1: also like the shit with like with Christopher as a baby crying when Tony holds him and the woman's like, babies know things from the other side. It's like, come on. Like it just I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean that, that goes along with Christopher from the Dead narrating it. Well, I didn't like. mind that. I didn't mind that that much. But it's just like I don't know. I just hate the. It, I just I just hate the 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 shining. It's the very David shoes. Chase though. Yeah, it's very yeah. David Chase.
2: That is very David Chase. It's also very much his his version of this like Italian American you know like things. This, that's, somebody, that's something that somebody would say. Yes, yeah. that's exactly the word. You know, that's something that somebody would say.
0: I had a couple of thoughts watching this. How old is Big Pussy? In this, who knows? In the show. Look at how
2: old is Sylvie? Yeah,
0: because those guys are all like they seem to be around Tony's age on the show, but then here they're all like fifteen years older than him.
2: See, I don't know who the pussy was because pussy and him are supposed to be best friends, but I I know that yeah, but he was Pauly much older. Was older. Pauly was in Korea, I think. Yeah, you know, like so he would have been 10, 15 years older. I didn't know that Syl was that much older, but I was doing the math and I was like, I guess it kind of checks out. And then they're saying that when Syl was a kid. He was, you know, he, he lost his hair. I didn't even know he was supposed to be bald in the whole show.
1: Uh, wait, 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 you didn't know that was a wig? I, no,
2: I just didn't think about it. Yeah, you watched it three times. times. Jeez, I, I never thought about it.
1: The Silvio actor was the worst transgression. Was like, well, that's that's what I'm. Yeah, the, yeah. the casting
0: veered into SNL territory yes. at times with Silvio and with mm-hmm. uh, Polly Wallops. Polly, yep. and I thought some people like Young Janice. I thought looked eerily like yeah her older counterpart, but.
2: That was good character stuff in there. That stuff was good. Like when you're you're showing these characters as younger.
0: Dial Silvio down two percent.
2: Yeah, like oh, no, ten percent, ten percent. Yeah, they could have done something interesting there. Yep, and they didn't. Yep, they they did caricature. Yep, and I know that those characters are kind of caricature, but it would have added to them if they had done something interesting. Yep, uh, and they didn't.
0: It was it was weird. It was we- like I, I didn't have a bad time watching it, but at the end of it, I was like, I that agree. wasn't.
1: Oh yeah, no. As we're watching it, we're like, "Oh, this is not good." Like, and
2: you're waiting for him to go back to jail and talk
1: to Ray Liotta. He was great. He was so good. There was a lot of good. Films I
2: think references. I don't. I don't think I watched it. Rela. I think I may have had a Phantom Menace moment where I was like, <laughs> I "Want very much to enjoy this." <laughs> you said you said you needed it to be good. <laughs> I did, and I wanted to, and I, and again, I enjoyed watching it. I think. If you can disassociate yourself, sort of. I think I didn't realize. I was trying to understand if it was good or not. I was, I was trying to make it good in my mind, which let me enjoy the things that were happening. And at the end, I was like, I don't, I don't know what to think, which is not a good sign, you know. Like you either know it's bad or you know it's good. And then a few days later, I was like, I'm not thinking about it anymore. That's not good. Yeah. No. I mean, it was. I can talk to you about the season three anytime you'd like. You know, I could tell. Like, I it's like single episodes. I will go on and on. One of my favorite things I ever heard about The Sopranos, by the way, was an interview where Jonah Hill was talking, I guess it was Marin or something like that. And he said, what the show is, it's a comedy, which I believe, I believe The Sopranos is a black comedy, I believe it's hilarious, about cavemen who cannot work in the modern world. And whenever I watch through that lens, it's great for me. It is anyway, but like, that's how I tend to look at it. And this wasn't that at all, but that's not its fault.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, what did you guys, so I assume that one of the big reveals is that Uncle Junior kills Dickie. Right. Has him killed. Was there anything else that was like revealed? I mean, not knowing it as well as I mean, that's a, anything that's, else that was revealed.
2: E- even so, that being the thing, so what? Yeah. Although, I think it did describe that Junior never liked Chris. Ever. Yeah. That was right. the thing. And so, I, I hope that David Chase knew that story. I hope that he wrote that backstory. I'm sure backstory. he did. Yeah. I'm sure he wrote the backstory. I hope so. But he's also the kind of guy, like, he wouldn't take it. Or you, you can take that
0: and say, well, he hated him. Let's right. use, it at, use it. I I right. did, yeah. I mean, one the one of the first times when I realized that he was basically the Fredo character, when every time he said anything, that everyone's made fun of him. I was like, "Oh, he's going to kill these guys." So mm-hmm. when 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 Dicky gets shot in the back, I was I, I couldn't tell if that was him or not. I was like, "Is that Junior?" And then I realized, okay, it definitely. Jr. did it because yeah, because the call one yeah. too many indignities, just one too many indignities, one too many making fun, and,
1: of and and like, and that that goes back to the you never understand because it's it's just a pointless, like, it's not a power play, it's not yeah. a not a you know, anything like that. It's because he pissed them off and he finally had it, you know, and he had
0: no self control, yeah,
1: exactly, Pride. you know. And so, what's interesting, and what I've you know, I've read the, all the articles about like, well, did Tony know, or was it just a way to manipulate Christopher and all this sort of stuff? And I I, I fall back on the George Lucas, you know, kind of uh, uh, Occam's race and that no way that Chase had that planned as far back as when Tony did the Christopher like I have to like I, I you know like it's 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 revisionist history basically right. and you know I can't speculate what Tony knew. we don't know we don't know what his motivations were or where, where, whether he was manipulating Christopher if he ever knew I, I would I would think that if he knew oh, if no. he knew his junior he wouldn't have let it stand right and so yeah,
2: I don't I, I mean I, this would definitely indicate that when he gave in the show when he gave Chris the address of that cop yeah that he either was wrong, 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 or it wasn't that at all. It was some sort of or, test. Or, or
1: no, it was manipulation it was or whatever it is. It. Like, I, I, but yeah. the thing is, is that this, this changes that moment in the show, right? This is, this is a retcon, basically.
2: Ooh, I don't like that. Although, it does not it doesn't. Because we didn't know at the time, and neither did Chris, which is the the right. the crux of sort of his him that episode. And so the other guy is confused. You know, he never says, "Fine, I did it." You know, like whatever. He doesn't remember, and you're stuck in this place where you've got pride and arrogance and violence making these people do awful things over and over again. Which, in that way, it is connected. Are we
0: supposed to believe that Christopher was his son?
1: Right? Because did he say he said my wife can't bear any children? They went
0: they went through a yeah. whole long yeah. scene about how they couldn't have yeah. kids, and then we. This is another problem, like. Next scene. Oh, we got a kid. It's like, wait, yeah, that was weird. It's like the highlights. There's no connective tissue. I thought maybe like she had an affair. Like they were going to set that up, but that didn't, you know, go anywhere. I just was like, there was all these moments where you're just like, where's the connective tissue to these moments here? I
2: thought we were going to say that the Chrissy was going to be his Gumar's. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought too. But that wasn't it. And you're right. All of a sudden, there was a baby, and that kind of, and then he went away. The baby never showed up. We didn't talk about him again, other than he was narrating the show. Yeah, then the thing with the Gumar was weird, didn't really matter other than he slept with the... I will say this, though. The there's
0: nothing better than a mobster eating angrily in his undershirt, yep. boxers,
1: and shorts. Sausage. Some good sausage. Good sausage.
2: Can we? Sausage. I will say that whatever it is that Odom Jr. does, I don't recognize him from one thing to the next.
1: He, he's having a really interesting post-Hamilton career. End of the movie, I said, I to my wife, I'm like, did you like Leslie Odom? She's like, he's in it? I was like, yes, that was it. <laughs> I, I am looking for him. Yeah.
2: I could see little hints of him as Hamilton. Like the t- i like I'd see like his tooth and go, Wait, there it is. but other than that, didn't look, didn't sound, didn't move. I, like he must be an amazing actor. Because- he's very
0: good. He's I didn't I didn't peg him as the one to come out like it was David Diggs came out originally with the most interesting career and now he has it. Yeah. Uh, he's very good. Well the last question before we move on to the next segment is Michael Candelfini, what, what thoughts? I mean <laughs>
1: Am I a jerk if I say I, I didn't like him? bad for him? I, Yeah, am I a jerk if I say I didn't like him and I feel bad for him? <laughs> I thought he was fine.
2: He I didn't think he, think he was. was. No, he was, and, and he he did the thing, and I bought it. But, you know, it's, it's a weird stunt casting. It, but it's not much different than, like, Ice Cube's son right. playing him, and then right. you're like, wow, he does look just like him. He did a good enough job. I don't know. I don't think he was bad. I don't know that he got the best material. Obviously, that story was truncated. I don't think it was the best scene. You were never he never had a chance. Yeah. You never had a chance. His dad is a a dead martyred actor yeah. who did one of the probably most the iconics. most important role of this century. Yeah. You know, and he looks just like him, but I don't even know what to think. But I know that like it doesn't it is not gonna be able to do a thing about it. Like it's it's too tall an order. And and I feel bad because I mean, like, I hope he goes on to do other roles and gets away from this and has his own success, but this can't be his breakthrough thing because that's not going to put him in a good position. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard not to think about things like that. They really disrespected
0: that ice cream. They really could have done a better job handing out the ice cream. Yeah, they were, yeah.
2: See? That was another scene, though, that, like, I was like, that's Tony. That makes sense because he would rob shit and then be like, we're giving away turkeys to everybody. Aren't I a good guy? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's kind of cool. I really did like the psychology of young tony and how we see it develop later in the show i thought that was thoughtfully done
0: what do we give a final rating grade to and we're giving a rating ratings out of ratings five, ratings many of newer. Ratings.
2: <clears throat> ratings it's tough as a movie yeah like a movie standalone movie it's like two and a quarter two and a half as an emotional sort of resonance with me, you know, I could maybe go so high as three, three and a quarter. Does that make sense? Sure. There's one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So you're averaging out at about a three.
2: It's more like 2.75 okay, really. Fine. Like it's just better than middle.
1: I will go with a solid 2.5. I'm going
0: to go for the two out of five. What about Ray Liotta's
2: performance? Oh, uh, f- uh, four and a half. You gotta, there's a curve, though. Yeah. <laughs> which, which one? I mean, what's funny you
1: know? is that like the, the Buddhist. Atoning convict yeah. made me appreciate the insane, crazy yeah. other brother. Yeah. Like it was great. Uh,
0: yeah. I just wanted to know more about his murder.
1: What did you
2: do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
0: but he was great. Every time he went to the prison, I was like, yes, yes, I know.
2: Yeah, more, please. Oh God. And that was the that was the the melty Tony. There's
1: something about that the was. serious Ray Liotta voice, right? That he did in. I'm I'm trying to think of a moment in Goodfellas, but it's a different, like we all know the yelling and he goes down an octave, octave, right? You know? And it's like, and I'm trying to remember this this, scene in Goodfellas. I just read the freaking book. He talks very low and slow. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? And so like, it's, I love that. Oh, it's great.
2: I just, I thought that his voice, I thought he just sounded like the first one all the time now. And so to watch him. sort of. Oh yeah. You know what? Honestly, it made me think, boy, they have not utilized this guy enough. Yeah. Like he got typecast and he put in his stuff. Like he's a much better actor than I think he's gotten credit for, or at least clearly maybe maybe we haven't had a chance to see it. But I was, you know, at least they gave him this to do.
1: It's when he's cool. talking to Maury and telling Maury to be quiet when he opens the door and does the hunt. You know, like we go, you know, like go when he's trying to protect him from Jimmy. It's that that tone down an octave. Yeah.
0: So there you go. The Many Saints of Newark. It's on HBO Max if you want to watch it, or go see go see it in theaters. Yeah. It's out in theaters. Buyer beware. Let's turn to television series that wrapped up this past week. Controversial. Last week? Last week? Season two of Ted Lasso. We talked about season one in a previous episode, whenever it ended last year. Who knows when that was? 1972, for all I know. This is. <laughs> what? It was so long ago. And I don't know when things happened anymore. <laughs> Time has I, no I, meaning. <laughs> So season two wrapped up on Apple TV. This is obviously the, the big Emmy-winning sh- series. It won Best Comedy Series. one won Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, Best Supporting Actress. Didn't win everything, but it came close. I was shocked by the amount of, I was like, wait, that person also won? So season two ended, and I don't even know where to begin, where to approach this, this discussion. So I was trepidatious because, Ron, it felt similar to Glee in that season one was almost perfect. Okay, yep. And so it's like, well, there's nowhere to go from here but down. Right. There's just nowhere to go to from down. Right. It was it was new. We're meeting the characters for the first time. You're never going to recapture that feeling. It ended perfectly. And so season two, I was already worried about, but I ultimately really enjoyed season two. They've discussed many times in interviews. This is the Empire Strikes Back season. S- season one is a full on story and it's happily ever after. Season two kind of blows up, not in a big way, but blows things up a little bit. And season three, I assume, will be putting the pieces back together. But Do you assume? So a lot of things that make you uncomfortable in season two, a lot of things you don't like to see, a lot of things that made people on the internet angry.
2: Not being on the internet, by the way, gives me a completely contextless discussion. I just thought you guys were going to say what you thought. I, I...
0: No, I'm just saying it, it was controversial yeah. because people don't, don't like to see things that make them upset because they don't understand storytelling. People story don't like
2: anything. The Caesar's thing is that the first, what happens is that people don't like when something isn't what they thought it was. And you had this thing, and it's like, oh, this made me feel good. And then they go forward, and they say, this isn't making me feel good. But that doesn't mean it was changing what it was doing. No, It means that your expectations were fucked up. So in, in, in light of all that, I think the thing that is consistent about this show is that it consistently makes choices to have people do the right thing or the thoughtful thing And then has its drama come from elsewhere other than that? Right, right. Because in a lot of shows, there's, I'm I'm struggling to think of examples, but there's, okay, so say that there's a scene here where Keely and Roy start talking about their various minor infidelities.
0: Yep. Not even, really.
2: No, I know that. But let me say, in other shows, that becomes the source of conflict, and then the characters are mad at each other for a while. In this, they went, no, they love each other, and it's a healthy relationship. So that is, it though? is like they talk. <laughs> well, there's well, a you're, little you're bit running
0: into, You're running into his insecurities Never having really been in a real relationship.
1: You've seen the cracks also. And like, yeah,
0: that's a good example of people built them up into the perfect couple, yep. you know, and there's sure. memes and there's all the, you know, but I thought all their problems this season were very natural and realistic. Yeah. Like you they get were, together but, with but, someone and you don't know how to be with someone. So you're, first you're smothering them and then you have to back off. And then
1: – I loved Roy, Roy reading the book while she's watching TV.
0: <laughs> an ex shows up and says, I still love you. That causes some strife or you meet someone else in another part of your life and you're like, oh, this person is yeah. actually interesting. And But you don't do anything. And It's just, but it causes issues to have to deal with or think about. And that's all very sort of realistic. But they deal
2: with it and they think about it and they talk about it as opposed to the thing, what I call the the Wonder Years thing.
0: Right. But I'm saying, Josh, is they were, people were using that as this is bad because these things are happening.
2: Whenever the choice was to do the thing that most TV dramas or comedies would use to make drama out of it, they didn't do that. They didn't make that choice. Right. the, Right. the, The conflict was never the thing that is the stereotypical choice that TV shows make and over and over again that's the case yep. and, and that goes right down to and I'm just this is we didn't give a spoiler warning but I don't spoiler see warning around stop
1: it. we we already spoiled the first movie so.
2: yeah well did we spoil it I think it's spoiled already for us <laughs> in that same way the choice of taking Nate oh. and making him the villain yep is difficult but also I was like that's, well, well, yeah, so, that's how it happens
1: it also made sense so too, it, yeah I i so i my statement on season 2 is is that i thought it was i thought season 1 was perfect i thought it was delightful it was what we needed it was everything great i thought season 2 was very good was not great slightly flawed in that they the two bonus episodes are much maligned: the Christmas episode and the Coach Beard on, uh, on the town after hours uh, homage. I actually like that episode, but we can talk I about can both talk, those yeah. Episodes. But we can talk about it later. I didn't care for the Christmas episode, but regardless, I felt as if this season felt. Longer, which I think because it actually was, but it also felt longer in that it deviated from the reason that we were there watching. And so there were times Mm. during the run of the season with the exception of episode five, which I think is the rom-com Roy Kent joins the coaching staff episode, which I think might be the best episode of TV I watched all year. it, It felt like, I was like, can we just get back to the soccer? Like what's going on with the team? Like they, they had built up all this stuff for me to care about and they were, exploring Ted's panic attack. They're exploring Roy and Keeley. They're exploring all, all this sort of stuff away from the the thing that brought me to the show. But I will say they brought it back at the end. I thought they stuck the landing and the Nate stuff is positively genius. The subtle, slow graying of his hair, like the, like all like, and like, and like down to the blow up and the reaction, which is, goes back to the Sopranos. So it is like, uh, you know, like, Nate didn't know that Ted had the picture on his dresser, right? And like, right. that's what makes it yeah, tragic. Exactly, case. yeah. And it's just like, and, and so like, I thought that that after the twelve episodes, completely stuck the landing, but it did feel like it meandered through the journey. Whereas the first episode, first season, just felt tight and felt solid.
2: You know, you know what you're talking about. though, is those are all again those choices yeah. thing. Is that's why it feels like it meanders because it isn't doing the thing that you expect. But when you look at it, you go, "That was the right choice. That was the thing." Mostly. To do. So you know. Yeah. When there was a couple of times, like when when you were and you didn't know who, um, what's her name, Rebecca. Rebecca was chatting to, yep. and at one point they alluded to it being Ted. And on any other show, that any would other be. show, it's Ted for sure. And 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 the fact that it wasn't, and then it was Sam, and then that actually turned into a real thing. Yeah. They didn't will they won't they? I mean, there they did know. later, but there there wasn't like we can't do this, and then it became awkward, like. They let that be, and it turns out that they were actually into each other, and it was good. You know, those little things kept happening over and over again. If you think about, like, Jamie Tart, who was the villain of episode, of season one, you know, like, he sorted himself out. Like, yeah, he
1: like, was great this season okay. I thought he was great this season I still love yeah. I love what the first episode of him back with him on the talk show when he's talking about why he quit soccer to go on the reality show he says because when he found out that George Harrison died it made him reflect on things and they're like but he died 20 years ago and he's like yeah but I just found out like,
2: <laughs> I, just, it's well, just if, like, I guess ultimately at the end of the day I'm sorry and you could totally talk there was actual character development in yeah. Yeah, 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 and yeah. that is really difficult for people to deal with because we're not used to it especially yeah. if it's something you don't
0: yeah. like there's only one real villain on this entire show, and it's Rebecca's ex-husband.
1: Yeah, who's who's brilliant. Barely in it this season and brilliant every time he's on. Jamie was
0: the nominal villain, but really, he was just someone in a lot of pain, and they needed to figure sure. out how to help him. And even Nate right now, that everyone is threatening his life on the internet, he is someone in a lot of pain. Yeah. The thing is, when he first started turning the season, people were like, whoa, where did this come from? Go back to see all that. It
1: was there the whole time, yep.
0: His breakout moment was when he burned every player in that little locker room, and it was mean. Yeah, like he let out some aggression, and you know, the quiet nerdy guy who gets power and turns power hungry is certainly (laughs) something we know about in society right now. But really, Mm -hmm. it's a father and son issue. Whereas every everything in here is a father and son issue. Says issues come from his father. Rebecca's issues come from her father. Jamie's issues come from his father. And really, Nate can't wrap his head around people caring about him. Because his father doesn't. And so this is is what the whole theme of the show is ultimately, is, uh, Hmm. is the relationship between fathers and sons. You know, Sam and his dad... It's all. It's it's, all, all,
1: it's it's all fathers and sons, and 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 yeah. and honestly, like the. I know a lot of people were, were. A lot. A lot of the chatter was negative on the therapist and coming into it, and and but like the journey Ted went on with that therapist, and like it was great, it was great, it was great and great. gave us the context to his character, and understood that like, oh yeah, this whole this whole shtick is a defense mechanism, and it's like, and yeah. and and it was great to see that get kind of deconstructed. And honestly, you know, you know, you know, and this the speech to the team after he gets outed for the panic attack and he gives the speech to the team, having that happen in that moment and see you know, even despite being flawed and despite having internal problems that he's dealing with them and coming out on the right side of things and have that be in the context of the betrayal that's happening with Nate, I thought it was it was just it was just great. It's just really well-written. And I just also, let's just give it up for Trent Krim, who I hope comes back in season three because he's the best.
0: I read the exit interview with yeah. Bill Lawrence and both Trent and
2: Dr. Sharon are going to be back for next season. Nice. The Dr. Sharon stuff really got interesting yeah. in a way that she was a great character by the,
0: the end yeah. hard drinking yeah. and she has her own issues that they alluded to with her yeah. tons of empty wine bottles in yeah house. that was good
2: in a, in a way that like that Melfi and Tony like I thought this was a, this was more interesting yeah. I never liked those scenes those my, this
0: you know the downside of, of the like show sure. which is almost their own fault is that there's too many great characters yeah well, and so you can't spend that. time with them like Trent Crim is a big, bigger piece of season one than two but you know you want, when he shows
1: up he's great yeah but I don't want to spend more time with him I feel like I'm very much like I like what we get, and I don't want too much of a good thing,
0: right? But my point well, is, like, they have so many characters. Rebecca's childhood
2: friend who shows up at the yeah, funeral, and yeah, terrific, sassy, and,
0: you know, like sassy, Sassy, and her, her daughter was terrific.
2: Yeah, they move the spotlight around a lot, though. Yeah. So last season, the spotlight was on a couple of people. This season, you spent a lot more time with Sam, and you spend I love more Sam. Time He's with, so good, you know. Other, and I think like you know, Jamie Tart was a big character in the first season, yeah. not the second. So the, this next season, yeah. We'll see more other people, and the other people will just have to, the people that are, you know, they'll just be more background, which is a difficult thing to do. And
1: Coach Beard, you know, I, I liked because his episode was involved.
2: Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I liked the Coach Beard episode, I liked too. it. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I think that I did have the thing of like, but I get to the story that we're doing. And I know that wasn't, by the way, my favorite, he's, he had I, probably the best lines of everybody over and over. I think it was in the last episode where he's like, how's it going? I broke up with Jane. Oh, no, yeah. we're back. <laughs> Switch, like, that was one of those, like, again, they thought you were going to do, oh, there's where you're going to get the drama from. Yep. Nope. I mean, it let the air out of it immediately. And
0: very quietly, like, I love Higgins so much. Yeah. Higgins yeah. is great. When he slid into the window in the in the last episode to join the, the Diamond Dogs, he just, he kills all these little moments yeah. and lines. And they, I loved him in the Christmas episode, him and his family. Yeah. Yeah. I love that he knew where all the players were from. Yep. He's he the, up he's the Ted of this
2: season. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's the pure goodness and everything, which isn't to say Ted isn't, but I did. They noticed they changed that. Like, they didn't have him have some deep underlying secret. Like, he's, no. just, he's just happy to be there and, he, he's, and just he's a good
0: he's, guy, he loves yeah, his like wife, him. has great kids. Yep. He opens his house up, he knows every player. Like, he likes just, to play
2: bass. <laughs> <laughs> did you find, did you? I had the sense that, like, at certain points, I found Ted's Tedisms annoying. And I was like, maybe, are they doing this on purpose? Because he kept yeah. derailing whatever was going on with this thing, and it just stood out to me more in a way that at first you're like, oh, that's great, and then after a little while, I'm like, can you just be a person? And I, I like that they, you know, like it, this is his defense mechanism in a way. This is a, it is him, but it's also well, he was a, he cool was in manic, manic. We all do this that.
0: season, right? Like he yeah. he was having a lot more problems. He was having a lot more issues, and he was being a lot Which more. Which he manic should, about yeah.
2: You know, like like so I left my family to go do this thing. You know, he's not left going his well. Kid. He loves yeah. his kid. Yeah. And at the end of that, like, that's a weird choice to make for a person who's like, he's kind of getting away from his kid for some reason. So, what's that? Like, there's all these things that you can think about.
0: And now look, I love the season, but it's not like season one's super tight. You know, this season wasn't as tight as, as it was. But
2: I think it's almost more food for thought, though. Like, yeah, it, no, there's a lot like, more going like, on.
0: There's a lot more to think about. This
2: conversation is more interesting than the conversation we had about the first one, which was, yeah. wasn't that great? Yeah. There's
0: a lot more issues. get something. It's the Empire Strikes Back season. Everything sort of breaks apart yeah. in a little bit. And we gotta put it back together. And they there might be casualties along the way of putting it back together at the end, but mm-hmm. I thought everyone's story was interesting. Mm-hmm. Even little glimpses. I I liked Isaac a lot. He's you know the captain who we got a little bit of him in that in that one. I episode. like that. I would
2: like I would have like, the thing with his haircut. Yeah, crazy. that was funny.
1: <laughs> but I mean for for me, for me, if when I look back at this whole season, I know it's gotten it got very popular with the video game thing and stuff like that, but I thought the evolution of Roy Kent, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't know what they were going to do at the end of season one when he retired. He and was, I was like, oh shit, is, is he off the show or what's going to happen? Seeing the malaise of not having anything to do post you know, that and then trying yep. to be, trying to be a, a, you know, a color commentator. And, you know, and, and of course the Keely relationship, but what the, that episode of him joining the coaching staff, I just thought was brilliant. And then just seeing somebody in the place they're supposed to be and then just all the little mini adventures of, of the relationship and everything that was going on. Like, it, like I, there was not a episode that he didn't delight in some way for me. And so, like, and I I know everybody else loves him, so it's not you know it's not like it's a deep cut here. But I thought right. he was great, and I and going back to the Coach Beard episode, I love that it gave a little spotlight to the three fans in the pub.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You know, the Christmas episode I thought was fine. I thought it was very rote, and it was kind of delightful. Deli- yeah, it was delightful, but it but didn't you know didn't impact the story, or whatever. It was just a nice bottle episode. But Coach Beard's episode not only fit in with the story, but you know, and the you know, and maybe you know, being a Scorsese fan and After Hours and all that sort of stuff, but also just like it was nice to have, especially after that big moment, a moment to breathe in something that wasn't everybody. Like I thought that was the right move.
0: Yeah, and if you don't know, they what, were going to do ten. Apple asked for twelve, so they'd already written the ten. So they wrote the Christmas and the Ghost Spirit episode, and they slotted them in yeah. to the season. So they came. Mm, they were. Sense. They came out. No complaints. No complaints. We got in a long time till season. No, this, a year. It's, gonna it's gonna the be. same time as last time. When it was the first season over.
2: Connor, don't deal with time. Yeah, don't deal with
1: time. I can't figure it out.
0: But it's going to be August twenty-two. And so, interestingly, so they plotted three seasons yep. originally. They wanted to do three seasons originally. It became a monster hit for Apple. Who knows if that's true or not. It won a bunch of Emmys. There's no way Apple's going to let them go after season three.
1: I think they will. I read that interview with Sudeikis and EW. Like, I think it's three and done. I hope they stick to it.
0: Well, he did say there's always the Apple money truck. Yeah, sure, yeah. We'll see. I mean, they spent $600 they million dollars on Foundation, to show that no
1: one who's not a super sci-fi nerd is going to enjoy.
2: <laughs> I am a, a pretty, and I made it about halfway through the one, and fucking Joe McMillan's in it. I'm like- I Can hey, I just Joe fucking rant
1: for that. a second, by the way, speaking of Foundation and Joe McMillan and, and uh, uh, um, what is his name? Why is it blanking? Lee Pace. Lee Pace. Jared Harris. Oh. The latest issue of Entertainment Weekly does a page on Lee Pace, and it's like a, tied into Foundation, and it's it's like, Lee Pace talking about his most memorable roles, and fucking Joe McMillan wasn't even on the page, and I'm this close to writing a letter to the editor. You should do it.
2: <laughs> Burn that fucking I down. I know. Come the <laughs> fuck on. Jesus. That's like doing a story on Timothy Olyphant and not mentioning Justified or Right, yeah. Yet. It's just... It's, like, oh. it's just.
0: Well, we got to talk about Go. Yeah. So let's give a real quick rating on Ted Lasso's season two out of five. Ted Lasso's season two out of five. Ratings. Rating, ratings. Ratings. If season one's a five, season two is a a
1: four and a half. I'll give it a four point (laughs) two five. Four and a half. (laughs) All right. Four and a half. Fine. Four and a half. Sticking with it? Everyone's four and a half. Sticking with it? Of course.
0: Yes. All right, so we have a little bit of time, and we have an email that's uh, relevant to some things we talked about this episode, so we're going to read an email from John V. from Brooklyn, New York, or one of our old listeners. Well I wonder what neighborhood. I don't even know if he's still there. I just know he used to be in Brooklyn, New York, and he didn't say this one, so I'm just going to assume. It's
2: approximately, point.
0: approximately the sixth anniversary of the start of Goodfellas Minute. Wow. It's holding up to a re-listen, a very dense podcast on a very dense movie.
1: Any reflections?
0: So this was our podcast we did six years ago. Reflections
1: of Goodfellas. the way life used to the be. Way we used to be. I love that we did it because I read the book Made Men, the story of Goodfellas, recently. And I'm very happy to say, I'm like, I knew that. I knew that. I knew that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I was reading it, I was like, did we do yeah. this? And I'm sure if we went back, the only thing I thought is when I read it was like, there's a little more context. A little more. Yeah,
1: a little more, more yeah, behind-the-scenes context that we don't have. Yeah, I agree. Yeah,
2: but... You know, I've gone through. I was I was almost gonna do like a listen, but that's not gonna happen. But I listened to like the first few weeks and then a couple of spots from other. And I I can't. I really was like, this was good. It was like I'm really proud of the work. We booked good
1: guests. We prepared. Like we probably did more work on that show than than we. Oh, way more. Wait For iFanboy, we've done a lot of like what you would call grinding, right? Like We've done a lot of like do the show every week, reading. do the show every week. But I, I wouldn't say that we actually uh, meticulously researched before recording in any way, shape, or form.
0: We rely on 30 years of just institutional knowledge. But yeah. a lot of fun. It nearly killed us yep. to do a daily show in the midst of doing a weekly show about a whole other subject. But it was so uh, worth it. I, I just remember so many nights – staying late at work in my office, either recording or editing. Yep. Because we were only ever more than a couple of weeks ahead, and as few as a couple of days ahead. Yeah, it was a couple of times. Of
2: we really flirted with disaster
1: a couple of times.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I also think there was two choices that we made that were good. Yep. One is we did guests every other week. Yeah. And so we didn't become dependent on yep. the guests. We had people in there. It was interesting, but there are a lot of shows, and it's all about like who is it this week, and we decided we don't have to have yep. that. We can have people who fit, and other than that, we don't need to fill chairs for no reason. I think that was a wonderful choice.
1: Yep. We wouldn't have been able to book guests for every week. We could have, but it but it would have been it would have hurt us even more, I think.
2: I think the other great choice is that we we finished it and we we're like, All right, we're good. Yep. We didn't go do another one. We didn't like we were like
1: nothing. I'm still, still kinda disappointed we didn't do Black Blue Heaven. It wouldn't yeah. have
0: been. <laughs> it's hard to do a comedy. It's hard. No, I know. I'm just saying, it was just you know, geez.
1: You just ended up talking
0: wasn't that joke funny? Yeah.
2: The movie, the Goodfellas like it, there's so many ways to go at it, and it's hard to find other movies that you yeah. can do that
0: with. Well, we always said it had the perfect combination of a great film, historical discussions, geographic discussions. that Places we all, like. been. Yep. The Venn diagram that covers all of yeah. the things that we, we like to talk about is very small.
1: Yeah. It really, it really is zeroed right in. And I'm proud of the fact that like if you go to moviesbyminutes.com, we are number two. We're the second one. Honestly, that website doesn't exist if we don't do this. Mm-hmm. Well, Star Wars Minute. Well, no, I mean no, no, because Star Wars Minute did it, and then we, you know, we had the relationship, and we talked to them, we got the approval, and then other people were like, oh, we can do this too, and then it went from there. <laughs> I think
2: that we did a better show than many many would have done I agree. when that second one came along. If we had, I not, agree. If I can say it that way, and I'm also, I'm also glad that we were the ones who did this. Yeah, very much. Yeah. So.
0: We did, for a minute, flirt with doing Jaws, but then somebody else started doing it, yeah. and so we
2: decided not to. Yeah. But if you guys want to do The Departed, I'm there. <laughs>
0: John V. has a second question. To commemorate this uh, anniversary, what are your top three or five, which is, uh, whichever is easier, he Pictures, and he gives them context. As determined by the most comprehensive poll, the decennial sight and sound top 250 critic and director consensus poll, Taxi Driver came in 31... Raging Bull came in 53, and Goodfellas all the way down at 171 bullshit. of the top 250 pictures. Uh, without critics and just the polling of directors, Taxi Driver comes in as number 5 of all time, Raging Bull 12, and Goodfellas 48. No other Scorsese pictures make the list of 250
2: films. But we're just picking... I mean, we should, we should take... Yeah, yeah, what
1: are your top, are your top three
2: Scorsese We pictures? should take
1: Goodfellas and Taxi Driver off the table, at least Goodfellas. I think you should only take good. Yeah, only okay, that's fine That's fun. fair. Fine. That's fair. Fine. Okay. So pick three non good
0: fellas. It's tough. I recognize Taxi Driver is a great film. I don't want to rewatch it all that much. It's
1: very easy, Connor. Kundun, Kundun, Kundun. <laughs> Kundun, The Age of Innocence.
2: I got to say, before we do this, and I've seen most of these, but I don't love all of his movies. No. I think that's a thing. Yeah you know, about and that's important. Like, I'm I've tried to watch before. Mean Streets many oh, I times. I love mean And I don't, like, I get it, but I, I don't love it. That's what I mean, I Josh. Didn't... Like,
0: I recognize it's a great film, but I don't yeah. really, if you're going to ask me to sit down and watch Mean Streets, I'm not going to say. Yeah. We've answered this question before. Taxi
2: Driver, I've watched a lot of times, and I do think it's great, but I wouldn't put it in one of my favorites.
1: Yeah. We have definitely good answered this question before. Yeah, so I'm just going to go ahead. Uh, can I guess go yours? Forward. Yeah, Gangs? Ahead.
2: Yeah. Um... I just said one of them a minute ago.
1: Oh, what, what did you say? Mean streets? Yeah. No. Yeah, definitely. Kundun Mean Streets. Kundun and... Mean Streets. You're gonna say some bullshit like the George Harrison documentary. No. Okay. No, no, I'm Talking about. Okay. all right well I guess I guess gangs, so go for there.
2: <laughs> gangs, the departed. And it was coming down in between Casino and Wolf of Wall Street, but I gotta go to the casino. I don't like Casino. The fellows liked. You know what? I didn't used to like it, and I've watched it several times oh, in the past few years, and I've really Come around. He's on directing the devil of in the White me. City. Yeah, because oh. yes, because of the scope of it, and I, and also I feel it should be noted, Gangs of New York did a lot of things wrong. Yeah. Oh yeah. But I'm so fascinated by it. I have watched it over and over and over again, and I'm just I keep looking. I don't know. It's like, rewatchable. It.
0: Also for subject matter, that could be a yes. movie we could do. It Take us to 15 years.
2: Yes. Well, that would be that would be appropriate.
0: Uh, mine are The Departed, Hugo. I like Hugo a lot, and like I want to say the Aviator, but better I also, than you would think. I want to say also Gangs in New York. Gangs in New York again, very flawed, but it's rewatchable like crazy. Yep. But the Aviator, it's also really good. Great Leo, and also picks a lot of my buttons of historical interest. Yeah. I mean, the gangs in New York, Hugo, and departed.
1: This is never one that is like set in stone. It changes and it, it, it sure. uh, evolves, but definitely Kundun, definitely Michael Jackson's bad. And no, um, Italian American, yeah, <laughs> Italian American. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, um, I, I mean, I, I gotta say, you're gonna go with King of Comedy, New York, New York, and After Hours.
1: I mean. Uh, not New York, New York. The King of Comedy and, and <laughs> After Hours are definitely on the list. I, we ta- last time we did this, I know we had – Connor, you said we answered this. I know we talked about this yeah. because I am, I'm a big fan of Cape Fear. It's a good movie. Cape Fear is a very good movie. You know. And now, since we last did this, The Irishman and Silence both came out, and I liked both of those, surprisingly.
2: The Irishman, like it's super enjoyable, but it's like almost – Too long. Post, it's, no, it's almost postmodern yeah. – Scorsese watching, which is a little like Wolf of Wall Street to me. I was like, oh, I'm getting the feeling, but I don't know that it's All right,
1: So I probably will go Cape Fear, After Hours, Gangs of New York. Cape Fear, After Hours, Gangs of New York. I will inform the both of you that Mr. Scorsese has directed the TV special An Afternoon with SCTV that is not out yet, but is a uh, Jimmy Kimmel interviewing the cast of SCTV, including Connor Rick Moranis. Oh, nice. And that's going to be a must-watch whenever it comes out. And why Scorsese directed this, I have no idea. There's a photo on IMDb of him sitting with Dave Thomas and Martin Short and Joe Flaherty and Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara.
2: You know, I haven't seen a good number of these movies.
1: That's okay. He's He's done a lot. We should do a full watch and watch them all.
2: Yeah. I mean, the thing is this, like, I don't, like, if if I consider Martin Scorsese's some of his movies to be among my favorite movies of all time but I don't necessarily be like I'm a huge Martin Scorsese well when we met that in that college sense. you wouldn't shut up about the age of innocence <laughs>
1: <laughs> it
2: was like oh Josh I know I get it I get it they're so innocent it was and you, were, and, and you would what happened is that you laid your finger across my and lips sh- and you just whisper, you just mouthed the words couldn't, cun- <laughs> which was odd because it wasn't out now
1: quite. i will say go back to watch age of innocence because you've got richard e grant you got
2: daniel day lewis
0: i would watch it right now if it was on our yeah. I, i'd watch
2: it. i think i'm gonna watch this soon yeah yeah. i've had who's that knocking at my door and alice doesn't live here anymore on my hbo max playlist yeah. for a while like and i just gotta do it i went to watch the king of comedy oh, watched, so good i, I watched so it good. like a year or so ago you know, it, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't bring that same thunder that some of my favorites oh. do. I think it doesn't have that, that really forward momentum that the one, all the ones I talked about, you know, Casino, The Departed, Wolf of Wall Street, Goodfellas, they just charge forward relentlessly. Once you start them, they're yep. over, you know, and, and you're like, oh, I mean, I'm sure that others do, but.
0: What about Joker?
1: He didn't direct that. No, but it's, a, it's such a rip-up on yes, his yeah,
2: movies.
1: Yeah. yeah. I will say Wolf of Wall Street is probably like four or five on the list. It's very high up there.
2: It's incredibly enjoyable. Yeah.
1: It is, but it's just Goodfellas again.
2: Yeah, it's it's modern. it's like a modern I don't know, like it feels like this guy shouldn't be able to do a movie like this Yeah. and have it feel you know, like when a great rock band releases a great rock album years yep. after. No,
1: it's, it's Green Day, American Idiot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Very good. I will say if you're in the Los Angeles area and you can get tickets to the Academy Museum, which it's hard to get because it's just open and they're limiting uh, entry, there's a whole section on the second floor about the people behind the scenes, like the artisans who do different aspects like cinematographers or costume setters. And one of them is about editing and it's all about Thelma it's, it's got It's got mm. all things. you know, It's got great photos and a recreation of her setup. She's fascinating. Cool. She's
1: Oh, my God. I'm so glad I went. I saw Silence at the Museum of the Moving Image in, in Queens. They screened the film, and then Marty and Thelma did a talk afterwards. And just to watch the two of them hang out was just delightful. I'm so glad I went to that.
0: So there you go. Thanks, John Vive, for writing to contact@fanboy.com with his MediaSplode question. If you want to write in and have a question discussed the show, please do so to contact@fanboy.com and put MediaSplode in the title so we just know which
2: show it's meant for. Because sometimes it's hard to tell. I just feel really, really relieved that Gabriel Hardman is never going to listen to what we do. Oh, for sure. <laughs> never. I'm so relieved.
0: All right. So there you go. That's this, this month's episode. Again, the patrons at patreon.com slash fmboy. They're the ones that unlocked this show, the Media Splode show, as well as the book explodes and talk explodes that we do. Is there another one? That's it, right? The hangouts. Media. those are all the hangouts shows. If we get to the next okay. level, we'll unlock not a show, but a we'll start covering TV shows again. We used to cover Comic book TV shows—we stopped doing that. We will start covering them again in, in special edition format. So that's the next stretch goal at patreoncom ifanboy and we'll be back next month to discuss more things in non-comics media. This was fun. I enjoyed this. One. I loved it. So it was a great. great discussion. So good. So until next time, I'm Connor.
2: I'm Ron. I'm Josh. <laughs>